TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's the Score North Twin Show. Welcome into Score North Twin Show. Derek Wetmore and Judd Zulgad with you here. I'm in sticky Fort Myers, Florida for Twins Report Date. Judd is back in the Twin Cities. Judd, how's it going today? I hate you. That's how <laughs> it's did, going. I hate you. I did you. that on purpose. It's cold and getting colder, and you're in <laughs> at spring training. I know it. And I don't like you right now. It's not, I know it, It's man. nothing personal. It's purely professional. <laughs> I walked right into that How's one. it going down there? Uh, it's good, man. It's good. It was a busy day at report day, and then the real stuff starts tomorrow as we record this um, on a Tuesday. Their first actual pitchers and catchers workout is Wednesday. But Marwin Gonzalez addressed the media today. I, I, you saw the column or the um, comments yeah. that he made in the media. First Astros position player to apologize for this. Who to thunk? You know what? My first reaction upon seeing that was I don't know if this was Marwin's idea or the Twins' idea. But it's absolutely genius. This reminds me, Derek, so much of when Andy Pettit was caught up in the whole steroid thing, right? Yeah. And how quickly did he get out there and basically looked really sad about it? And I don't care if you're feeling really sad or not. You just got to look really sad and you say things like, I regret, and you use words like remorse, which Marwin Gonzalez did. It's genius because now it, look, people are still going to be mad, but it also diffuses things quickly. And the smart play by Dallas Keuchel, obviously the pitcher for the White Sox now, who's twice removed from the Astros, but was also Marwin's teammate in 2017 on the World Series team. Or what Marwin did is it really distances yourself from the hubris and defiance of what the Astros look like they're doing. I think what Marwin Gonzalez did to get in front of this thing, and to your point, became the first important uh, player because Dallas Keuchel didn't cheat, he pitched. But to become the first position player to say, I'm sorry, remorseful, basically look really upset at yourself, kudos to whomever came up with that idea. Yes, and leave it to the Twins to provide an environment in which he can feel safe in doing that. I still think, Judd, here's this quote for those that didn't see it, uh, Marwin Gonzalez, ahead of Twin Spring Training, I'm remorseful for everything that happened in 2017, for every uh, for everything we did as a group, and for the players that were affected directly by us doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went on to say, that's why I feel more regret, and that's why I'm remorseful. Um, I still think we're not out of the woods with this, Judd, but this is a great first step for Marwin and for the Twins. Next step is going to be whatever is said in that clubhouse behind closed doors to players like Rich Hill and Kenta Maeda, who were on that 2017 Dodgers team that lost in the World Series to Marwin's Astros. That's really juicy. I wonder what, you know, I, I think how upset guys are is really going to be based on not just on teams, Derek, but on individuals, right? Like how sure. pitchers, like you, there are some people who cheating, I'm sure, offends them to no end, and I'm not blaming them, blaming them. And then there are probably some people who are like, yeah, you cheated and you shouldn't have, but that was 2017, it's 2020 now. Uh, but that's a really juicy topic and an interesting one of how do guys process this now. And But here's the one thing to keep in mind, too, because I've, I've given this a lot of thought. The one thing to keep in mind is it's become pretty crystal clear that a lot of guys and a lot of teams knew that the Astros were doing this, 
and never exposed it, right? Yeah. Because there's just so many secrets in sports. If if you went through the amount of things in the major sports that we don't know about, it would probably knock our socks off. We'd be like, are you serious? So, <laughs> so the other, where I think we're being a bit naive is to say, for instance, Rich Hill had no idea, no sure. clue, right? Um, but I do think that you bring up a really good point, which is how do people as or how do players perceive this? And is there now uh, a universal apology that's just accepted or do you need to iron things out with certain people? Well, not to labor too much on this point, but I do think it's a big story. I ran it by our good friend Patrick Royce, and he seems to think it's not that big of an issue that ah, players will tease him in the clubhouse for this and it'll all be water under the bridge. Might be right, man. I, I, it's hard for me to read the room, not having been a Major League Baseball player at any point in my life. Um, might surprise you. I know it'll be shocking. But think about how much, yeah, yeah. But think about how, how much you know about what goes on inside your business that the common person who just listens to you or reads you doesn't. Sure. I think it's the same thing. I just, I think we would be shocked to find out the amount of teams that knew or had an idea that the Astros were cheating and just didn't report them because mm. you didn't want to be, you didn't want to be ultimately um, what the pitcher in Oakland was, which is the tattletale. Right, yep. Uh, Mike Fires, Mike Fires. the person who uh, blew the lid off of this thing. And, you know, good for him. That's my stance on it. Um, I'm curious, because this is a big story for Twin Spring Training. Certainly it's not the biggest story, because um, they only have one former Astro, so there's a bunch of different angles we could go with Marwin Gonzalez. But ultimately... Is that going to change them from a 101-win team to an 80-win team? No, I think not. Um, Judd, what's the biggest story that you are looking to track this Twin Spring training? Because I'll be honest with you, I was counting this out. So this is my seventh year covering Twin Spring training. Yep. And every year I think, hey, there's these are the five stories that I need to know. I need to learn these while I'm here. Everything else, you kind of take it as it comes. Um, but in the past two years, especially under Derek Falvey and Thad Levine, I've sort of thought like spring training is almost just a – now I think of it as a dress rehearsal. Like, you know, they say in the NFL, Judd, right, the, the the preseason, there's one game you care about. The other three really don't matter. Yep. It feels like spring training doesn't matter that much with this team. Am I, am I off? Am I being jaded and cynical there? Or I, I guess give me the stories that you are most looking, maybe top one or two, to track this spring training because i got to be honest – I think this is just marking time until opening day begins and you got a good baseball team to roll out. Well, let's go back to your point about how spring training has changed with the uh, Falvey and Levine regime, and especially since last year when Rocco arrived. And let's, let's you know, put the context of this is now sort of Club Rocco. And I don't mean that yeah. in a disparaging way, but Rocco Baldelli's whole thing about rest and recovery and don't show up too early you know, spring training used to be the time you fought for jobs, and if you got there at 5.30 in the morning, God bless you, you wanted the job more. That's long gone. And so, and I'm not saying Rocco's wrong. I'm just saying it's different now. Yeah, uh, it is. I'm going to give you a, a, I'm going to give you one that might surprise you a little bit, uh, but it's not a general, like, you know, the pitching. I'm really curious to see how Barrios looks or something. Uh, one of the biggest stories to me is, and we're going to be able to get a read on this during games, so I think it's a legitimate Florida story. How does Miguel Sano look at first base? Mm, yeah, he, Because I don't think, look, I like the move, okay? The Donaldson signing, I think we all are on board with and probably love. Um, the move of Sano across the diamond, I think, is very smart. And in fact, if he had started the season at third base, I would have been disappointed. I like what they're doing here. But 
I've always said the notion that people have of, oh, Judd, you could play first base. It ain't true. First Hmm. base is a skill. First base takes some work. First base takes footwork. It takes glove work. You know, Jorge Polanco is not all of a sudden going to find God and make every throw chest high. He's going to make low throws. He's going to make high throws. And those, and just to assume that, oh, of course Miguel can keep his foot on the bag. It's easy. I always reference back to the first full season after he was done catching that Joe Maurer played at first base. One of the greatest God-given athletes we've probably ever seen. Right, Derek Wetmore? Yeah, exactly. And Joe Maurer struggled doing that full time. It took him a good year of work to become what I would say is a comfortable first baseman. And so... I think you're going to be able to tell from day one, and I do think there's going to be a lot of work in this area. Is Miguel Sano, has he been working there? Is he prepared? Is he going to be preparing as the spring goes on? Because those will become very important early season questions of, oh my goodness, that throw you know, by Polanco wasn't perfect but had to be picked. Was it picked? That's what I'm curious to see. And here's where I'm talking about the spring training is so difficult to assess because one of the biggest stories that I'm tracking, I know you are too, how's this pitching staff look? And is it good enough to win in October? Like that is a huge question on the mind of Twins fans right now. And unfortunately, Judd, for me, and unfortunately for us at Score North, I I feel like that's just a tough thing to say, well, I saw Jake go to Rizzi pitch two innings in Clearwater today, and the fastball looked good. So, yep, they can win in October. It's like that stuff's all great, and we'd like to see it tracking in the right direction for their staff on opening day. But, I mean, some of these questions, Judd, that you and I are asking ourselves and that we're talking about on Twins shows and that have been on the minds of Twins fans since they were swept out of the playoffs is have they done enough to upgrade their pitching and get Get a real shot at this thing. I don't know that we're going to get that answer in spring. I don't think we deserve it. And here's the and here's the thing, Derek. Here's my biggest thing. There, I've convinced myself, and maybe I'm naive and stupid. Insert your own joke. Um, <laughs> I've con- I've convinced myself though that this is a work in progress. Okay, starting All staff. Right. It's a work in progress, and here's why. Two or three weeks ago, when the prospect was opening day. Your rotation was Brios, Oda Rizzi, Homer Bailey. You know I said, really? Homer Bailey? That's what you're going to give me as your three? Now it is Brios, Oda Rizzi, Maeda. I'm on board there. But eventually you're going to get Pineda back in May, right? At some point in time, you're going to get Rich Hill back, you hope. I'm not saying that's a given, but you hope. And if he comes back and can pitch for a long period of time, that might be good. I'll go down the list of, to me, Homer Bailey was was taken by the A's off the jalopy lot from Kansas City, and he was turned into a nice used car. And as the Twins, as Levine admitted at Twins Fest, we are infatuated with guys who look like they might not be that great, but we think can improve, right? Yes, yeah, he did say that. And so can you get, I don't know, take your pick, two months of starts from Homer Bailey? Perhaps you can. I don't know. But my point being is, I don't think we're going to get the answer to the question in spring training that you're talking about because I perceive this as a work in progress. And final point there is I also think they're very curious, and we've talked about this, to see how Barrios looks throughout the course of the first few months. Mm-hmm. And, and is Jose Barrios now a true ace? Because I know fans are like, oh, he's just not going to be that. I don't know that for a fact. If he is, that now creates a different dynamic. If he's not... This team is so all-in at this point for 2020. I do think there's a very good chance you're going to go make a trade for a real ace in July. So as far as the answer to your question, I don't think it comes in the spring, and quite frankly, I'm fine with that. 
Yeah, <laughs> I just loved the jalopy lot. But it is. It's true. They, <laughs> Thad Levine said we're going and getting wrath? we're going and getting jalopies. <laughs> Martin Perez good. was a jalopy who's gone to Boston. He's a jalopy in Boston. It's pretty good. Uh, so you and I were participants in this uh, off-season report card. We we went and graded the Twins. I want to get to that in a second, but I I just wanted to mention on Barrios that I was doing a show with Rami the other day, and we put it on the Twins show feed. We were talking with. Uh, great baseball mind, Eno Saris, who writes for The Athletic, does a bunch of fantasy baseball stuff, and just a, just a great baseball researcher and communicator of ideas. And I asked him about Barrios, because I know he's been kind of high on him as a as a pitcher who's on the rise. I said, is this is this us projecting that, that we think Jose is going to take the next step forward, or, or do you see big things for him? And his answer was pretty clear. He sees big things for Jose Barrios. He went as far as to say, Possible top 15 pitcher in baseball, mm. given his command of all of his pitches and just the raw stuff of those pitches. I'm talking velocity and movement and, you know, being able to differentiate or making two pitches look like the exact same pitch until the last minute. His stuff, we all agree, is wow some days. Uh, so for whatever it's worth, you know, who's a great baseball researcher and somebody I respect a lot, has a really high opinion of, of Brios and thinks more or less what you think, Judd, which is, this could be the year that we see him take that step forward that we've all been hoping for. Uh, I, I guess I started to wonder at times, and still wonder, frankly, hey, are we are we seeing something that's not there and that maybe this is just who he is? There's going to be some fits and starts and some great outings and some not-so-great outings. Uh, for whatever it's worth, Eno thinks there's a great pitcher in there and mentioned him in a possible, if everything breaks correctly, Cy Young conversation in 2020. Okay, and if that's the case, then guess what? In on July 31st, you probably don't have to go out and get a true ace. Then you go Barrios, yeah. Rich Hill, Kenta Maeda, Jake Odorizzi, Michael Pineda, whatever. Some combination of those guys in the, I'm fast-forwarding here, but in the ALDS, and now we're talking a pretty fun series no matter who you're faced up with. Can I give you my my second potential storyline for spring training? Yeah, definitely. Interest. Let's hear it. My second potential storyline is, and this is going to take a, a while to play out, but I think we're going to be able to pick up on the demeanor of this in the Twins Clubhouse in Fort Myers. When you are now devoted to being this all-in for 2020, because as everybody with the Twins has said a year ago, Derek, they were a nice little story that people almost rooted for. Oh, the Twins are back. This is fun. That's no longer the case. When you are clearly this all-in for the upcoming season and you've made moves that scream, you know, J.D. and Kenta Maeda, we're all-in. I'm curious to see the demeanor starting with Rocco now. Because yes. it was very easy a year ago for Rocco to be like, no worries, dude, I'm here and you're here and we're going to get our rest and try and win baseball games. Well, now there's an expectation that walks into that clubhouse with everybody, including Rocco. And year two for Rocco, I'm really curious to see what he's like. My guess is he's not different, but there's still going to be that air of expectation following this team around and Rocco around that can't help but change you potentially in some ways. You and I were apparently the low men on the Twins and their offseason this year. We did a it was a four part column. Uh, you, Phil Mackey, Jake DePew, and me writing on what we thought about the Twins offseason. And you and I are kind of of the same mind here. Hey, there's some nice ads and Josh Donaldson, biggest contract in free agent contract in Twins history. You know, good. That deserves a golf clap. But. The stated goal and the primary objective from a fan's perspective was Garrett Cole, right? Top-end pitching. Didn't have to be Cole, but top-end pitching. And 
sorry to say, but compared to some other teams out there, they didn't impact their roster as much. Um, I know we're going to be a little bit harsh on them, Judd, and sort of grading on a curve here, but why did you think B is a fair grade for a relatively impactful offseason that the Twins pulled off this winter? Because they failed ultimately on their ultimate goal. I mean, they, they've stated this. They went out and had the cash to spend, and right or wrong, they identified immediately, it looks like, Zach Wheeler as their guy. And I know he said no, and I believe that uh, Madbum also said no. But nonetheless, they admitted to, and this is not a problem, but they basically said what we all said, which is, to your point, impact pitching, right? Like, yeah. Like a top-of-the-line, this guy in their mind was going to slot above Brios. It was going to be... You know, opening day was going to be Wheeler, Barrios, Odorizzi. They didn't get that. It's now, I know they got turned down. They tried, but they then I thought wisely pivoted and decided to invest in a good third baseman, mm-hmm. which I'm excited about because it is going to shore up a defense that I thought was inexplicably bad last year and was sort of dismissed as, oh, defense is no defense is important. But I gave them a B because. If you go back and look at their off-season plan on November 1st, they didn't achieve that. Now, they pivoted and came up with a very nice plan B, but plan A didn't work completely, and that's why I, I gave them, and by the way, just to be clear, a very solid B. It's not like yeah. I'm disappointed. Hey, but you I and think I it, are not in for great inflation. But I don't give out A's for free. But Wetmore, I think you get an A when your plan that you have on November 1 comes to fruition, and it yeah. clearly didn't. Yep, I'm grading on a curve here. There are some teams that get A's. There are some teams that get F's. Um, the Twins, I, they're in the B range for me. And um, I, I do think it's funny that we kind of give them a bump because their team is so good, <laughs> right? Like Jose Barrios being on the Twins doesn't count in your 2020 report card for me, right? He's just a good player. Um, I'm counting Donaldson. I'm counting Odorizzi back, Michael Pineda. Then the gambles on like Rich Hill, Kenta Maeda, Homer Bailey, Tyler Clippard. I like that move mm-hmm. for the Twins, and I think their bullpen is really solid. So to be clear, I, I'm looking at the grades here. I gave them a B plus, I guess, for yeah. their winter, but I think that they are an A level team. They are one of the best teams in baseball, and I guess the question was just on the off season. So, anyways, Judd, I'm fascinated to see how this all shakes out. I think, despite uh, there not being a ton of storylines or jobs to win or lose in spring. I think it's a really important spring for the Twins because of what you said at the start of the show. Expectations are higher this year. How will Rocco and the staff deal with that? Storyline three from me. The center. Oh, you're th- full of them today. Oh, oh I love baseball, man. <laughs> Storyline three for me is the center fielder, Byron Buxton. Okay. And, and it's not going to play out in the spring unless, of course, he crashes into a wall. Sure. Um, it's not going to play out in the spring, but I. but how does he look? How are things going? Uh, you know, this becomes, this is really, I think, Derek, I don't think I am stepping out of the bounds of, of, of um, I don't think that this is an overstatement to say that this is really Buxton's last real great chance to be a superstar. Hmm. Like, if he doesn't stay healthy again, you at some point in time, I'm not saying that you pull the plug completely, but at some point in time, you've got to say, we can't rely on him. I'm not. I'm not there yet. I mean, there's too much with this kid that I like to be like I'm done with him. Um, but I really think that this is the last chance. If he gets hurt again, or he gets hurt, you know, twice or three times again, at some point in time, you just start to look foolish by saying. But when Byron Buxton's healthy, don't you? 
So this starts to me a very important season. And look, it's an understanding on his part, too, of what he can and cannot do. He can't crash into walls. It's not worth it. Um, If there is a shallow fly ball hit to center field and he's going to make a whiplash catch, he needs to let that ball fall in. And I understand this is asking a lot of this kid because he doesn't want to do it. He wants to play baseball like he's a football player. But all of that being said, I think this is the year in which we need to see common sense from Byron Buxton because, my God, the skill set is certainly there. Yeah, and that's a huge swinging point. Let's say the Twins are a 90-win team and uh, without Buxton, and Buxton's there and playing like a star. Now maybe you're talking 95-plus, but if it's uh, injured for three or four months and a bunch of backups playing in there, okay, that's that starts to hurt your score in the final win total. Um, Kevin Pillar is still out there, I believe, as a free agent if you're looking for backup outfielders and you don't love what you've got internally. Also, the Rays just swung another trade for an outfielder, Manuel Margot, which makes me wonder, is Kevin Kiermeyer available? And if so, uh, you know, insurance policy in center field. I'm talking about two of the other greatest guys to do it recently in Byron Buxton, of course. What if you put Kiermeyer in left and Buxton in center? Wow. No. Then, I, you know what? I think the only thing that would fall would be raindrops, Judd. It would be one of the most athletic outfields since the, the Rays had that uh, Carl Crawford. Who were the other two? Well, it was uh, Upton on those teams? Upton, uh, yeah. B.J. Upton. They had three guys that were basically just such good athletes, and it was so fun to watch, and pretty much nothing fell in. Yeah, I mean, the Twins do pretty well for themselves, too, but... Um, yeah, I think Kiermaier would be a clear upgrade over Rosario defensively. Uh, look, this Twins team is going to score a lot of runs. They're going to have competent pitching most nights of the six-month season. The questions to me are, how can they field? And is the pitching good enough to go toe-to-toe with the best teams in baseball? That's why I'm saying, unfortunately, like we're probably not going to get most of those answers in spring training, but that's what makes baseball fun, and that's what makes this season Super interesting. Does Rosario leave Fort Myers as a, or I'm sorry, does he leave spring training as a twin? Yeah, I think so. I think at this point of the offseason, maybe I'm being naive here and burying my head in the sand. I just don't see a bunch of high-impact starters leaving their teams right now. Because if I'm if I'm a team that's not trying to win, I got to this point in the winter thinking, this guy's going to be here. We've started spring training. I'm not going to trade him two weeks into spring training and send that, you know, stink bomb into my clubhouse, right? <laughs> that like, hey, yep, we're waving the white flag here, but prospects and future and yay, team, let's go. I think that those kind of teams, those trades will definitely be made. I think they're circling July on their calendars now, and so the Twins probably have to follow suit there. Fair enough. It's going to be fascinating, Judd. Um, I'm jumping on with you guys in a little bit here. So we'll, we're doing a bunch of shows down here while I'm in Fort Myers. Judd will be in Fort Myers in March covering Twin Spring Training Games, so you can follow all of our coverage there. Um, he's obviously at Jay Zolgad on Twitter. I'm at Derek Wetmore. And if you like the Twins show, subscribe. We'll send you every episode right to your phone or tablet, wherever you choose to listen. Uh, programming note, too, we are on Apple, Spotify, and the Score North app. And if you listen on the Score North app, I happen to know that there are rewards for racking up some listening minutes and hours. So give that a try if you haven't already. Uh, Judd, this was fun. I'm really looking forward to this spring training and uh, hundreds of storylines to come out, I'm sure. Enjoy the warmth. Thank you, sir. I'll try to send some back to the Twin Cities yeah, for you. How bring about that? Some, yeah, stick some in your suitcase and bring it back. <laughs> Thanks, Wetmore.
Thanks, Judd. For Judd Zalgan, I'm Derek Wetmore. This has been Score North AL Central Champs Twin Show. We'll talk to you later. Planning to buy a new boat this year? Glenn Perkins here from my friends at Nelson Marine. The Nelson Marine difference is about customer service and a knowledgeable team of sales and service pros. Two large showrooms filled with an impressive inventory of the best brands in the business. London Crestliner Fishing Boats, South Bay Pontoons, powered by Yamaha, Suzuki, Mercury, and Evinrude. Nelson Marine has been creating happy customers for 75 years. Visit their showroom on Highway 61 in White Bear Lake online at nelsonmarine.biz. Hey, Score North listeners, it's Phil Mackey here for Federated Mutual Insurance Company, which is here to give business owners that peace of mind that you need when you've built a company with your blood, your sweat, your tears, maybe not your blood, but whatever, like you built a company and you want your insurance team to be ready with a game plan that helps you recover, if needed, recover smoothly so you can get on with running your business. Federated has a century of experience in helping business owners. You can find out more about the industries Federated protects at their website, federatedinsurance.com. And remember, Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. Rain has come again! It's 10 Days of Twins Talk on Matthew and Judd with Rami. That's right. Every day this week and every day next week, we will be diving into a Twins topic or question as part of our 10 Days of Twins Talk with spring training opening up in Fort Myers, Florida, where we sent Derek Wetmore down with SPF 2000 to make sure that he is protected <laughs> from the sunshine in Fort Myers. So uh, you're down there today, Derek Wetmore, and the Score North Twin Show you can find every day that you're down there, Apple, Spotify, and the Score North app. And we're going to play a clip here. This is Marwin Gonzalez. It's a short clip. Marwin Gonzalez today became the first position player from the 2017 Houston Astros to apologize publicly, let's play this audio and then all of us can react to this. I'm remorseful for everything that, that, that happened in 2017, um, everything that, that, that we did as a group, and then, and like the players that were affected directly by us uh, by doing this and uh, some other things. And then that's what I feel the more the more regret, and that's what I'm remorseful. So he said he's remorseful. He he he's he regrets what they did and regrets what happened to some of the pitchers that maybe their careers were altered. Derek, what did you make of Marmon Gonzalez's apology today? I think you should text one of his best friends, Jose Altuve, and ask him to get on the horn as well and and finally show some remorse for this thing. Marwin is a twin. He was an Astro in 2017. Shockingly, he's the first player to own this, the first position player. Like, my reaction was, hello, Alex Bregman, are you listening? Was that so hard? I don't know if I'm just irrationally annoyed by it, but I, I'm stunned that Marwin Gonzalez at Twin Spring Training is the first position player to take any ownership whatsoever for this thing. Which shows he's the smartest, right? Because, I mean, this is the logical step. I don't understand what the Astros are struggling so much with. You cheat, you get caught, you apologize, it's America. We're a lot more likely to forgive. You cheat, you get caught, you act like you're indignant, we hate you. So, what? <laughs> no, seriously, what, yeah, Mar- what, Mar- know, you're right. what Marwin did to me was the same step that Andy Pettit took. He did steroids, he came clean and said, I'm asking for forgiveness. And you know what? We all pretty quickly forgave him. I think on the Twins' part and on Marwin's part, this is a great move because it starts now moving past it. Yeah, and you can't move past it if it's sort of like shadowy and and murky and everything that's going on. I think you're right, Judd. I think the Astros should have done this from the jump, but the the only reasoning that I can come up with is that they were 
allowed to continue to act this way. Leadership within their organization. Now, I'm I'm casting a pretty wide net here, but how else can you explain the sort of uh, brash, almost cockiness that they displayed at Astros Fan Fest? Look, I don't know if the Twins are out of the water with this yet. I don't know if Marwin's out of the water with this yet. But all I know is that Tuesday's a good first step in that direction. And what I'm curious to see coming next is, how does he address his teammates behind closed doors in that Twins clubhouse here in Fort Myers? Because keep in mind, he's going to have to patch up whatever relationship is possible with a guy like Rich Hill, Kenta Maeda, his new teammates, wow, yeah. to say nothing of his old teammates. I mean, this is, I'm not trying to blow this out, this molehill into a mountain, but I, I think how he responds privately is almost more important than how he tells us in the public he feels right now. Did anyone ask him if this was going on since he's come over from the Astros to the Twins? Because that speculation is going to be out there, not just about Marwin Gonzalez, but anybody who left that Astros organization and went to another. That's a great question, Rami. Um, oh, no, that's that does probably not, more. That for, does not count. Let's what? Where, where's the buzzer? What? That does not where's count. Where's the buzzer? What? Come on. Oh, this thing is rigged. I'm sorry. Car- <laughs> carry on, Derek. Carry on. <laughs> Uh, more of a Rocco Baldelli and front office question to me. Um, it's Of course, it's a natural question because when he arrives, 2017, okay, Twins, you know, pop-up year, make the wild card game in the playoffs. 18 doesn't go so hot. Really, really derailed by a lot of key injuries at, at key spots around the diamond. 2019, Marwin's first year with the Twins, offense explodes. I, I think there are a number of different reasons you could give to that, the baseball being one of them, Nelson Cruz being another, Mitch Garver, Max Kepler, and on and on, awesome seasons, all kind of aligning for a breakout. But, yeah, Rami, until we get some sort of definitive answer or at least some finality to the Astros part of this, it's just every couple of days something more comes out. We learn more. It went deeper than we thought originally. Yeah, there were dark uh, arts involved, apparently. Dude, we gotta we got to get to the end of this story before we can start you know, seeing some sunlight at the other side of the tunnel. The dark arts. <laughs> Did you see that story, Phil? <laughs> yeah, Rami the, brought it to my attention earlier oh today. Oh, my Wall gosh. Street Journal, man. It was an intern. It's incredible. And look. Were any of the four of us surprised reading that story? <laughs> right? Like, oh, you mean there was a genius who knows code and, like, has all these computing languages just readily at their belt and is obsessed with gaining an edge, right or wrong, no matter what, and is permissed to do that? Like, man, it's, it's sad, of course, but it's not shocking in any way at all. What I, I'd like to know now, after the Wall Street Journal uh, story came out on Friday, Derek Wetmore, is this. How much more does baseball know that they're not telling us about how deep this ran? Like to me, to me, the story in the Wall Street Journal didn't just indict the Astros again; it indicted all of baseball because you got to figure that the investigation turned some of this up, and that they're just like, ah, if we release that, it's going to look worse. So I guess I'm more curious now about how much more they know about the Astros' scheme to basically defraud baseball, and just as importantly, how many other teams they found where they're just like, if we make this go away quicker, the better. Yeah, it's a great question, Judd, um, because no. I think... No, no, it's just... <laughs> what are you guys... What is all this no? It's air balls, man. It's all this is. I'm shooting an air ball right there. <laughs> oh, wait a second. Are you, are, you, are you saying great question on purpose to play our game, or are you saying great question because you actually thought... That Rami and Judd's questions were good questions. You know, that's a really good question too, Phil. The way you pointed it out, um, I hadn't thought about that. But now that you bring it up, yeah, I, I guess I should. 
think a little bit harder on it. All right, we all three get a point then from Dave Put it on the board. Uh, <laughs> sorry, what was your question? No, it's fraudulent. <laughs> Joe, what, what, what was your question again? How much deeper sorry. it goes and what My baseball knew. And... How much more does baseball know that they look, just man, aren't going to give us? Honestly, this makes Rob Manfred look terrible. It makes him look terrible because if he did know about all this stuff and came out and was very specific and clear in his report that this was, you know, this is the extent of it. We we dug far and wide. We did an extensive investigation. And then, of course, that there is the, um, what do you call it, immunity clause basically invoked for players. Like, hey, help me out with the investigation. You're good. You're not going to get punished. That is such a brutal look for more details now to come out after the fact. Uh, boy, I don't know how Rob Manfred cleans this up, but it sure doesn't seem like the mess is all the Astros doing. I, I, I got to think that some of this is on the way they decided to put out this report. It, it makes baseball look bad, and that's on Manfred. Yeah, Derek Wetmore, the host of the Score North Twin Show, is with us here from Fort Myers as part of our 10 Days of Twins talk on Mackie and Jub with Rami. So now that you're down there and pitchers and catchers are going to start working out tomorrow, you know, what are the things that you're most curious to get answers on or discuss in the next two days or so? It, well, it's pitchers and catchers here for the start, so I'm going to focus on that at the beginning, and we get to the position players in a couple of days here. But I am fascinated to see if the Twins' bet is going to pay off. It's not something, Phil, that we'll be able to answer in spring training, probably, but we can start to answer it. The Twins are making a bet on quantity over quality right now on their pitching staff, and I know that's going to rankle a lot of fans, but I think this Twins team is set up to win a ton of baseball games this year and be in the hunt as one of the AL's best teams. Is it enough pitching to get over the hump in October, or do you still need that primo stud at the top of your rotation and and your back end of your bullpen? Um, I don't know what the answer is, but I'm fascinated to see if the Twins' bet will pay off here. I think they added some low-key very good pitchers to their staff, um, and they're getting crushed in public perception because they didn't sign Garrett Cole, and I get that, and they should have signed Garrett Cole. But failing that, Rich Hill, Kenta Maeda, Homer Homer Bailey is sort of a buy-low candidate based on his second half last year, not to mention bringing back Jake Odorizzi and Michael Pineda. I think it's going to be enough to win the American League Central and win a ton of games over the summer. My question is, when the Leafs change color, is it going to be enough to win a series in October? Or heck, Win a game in October. Let's start there. Of the guys who have reported and who you've seen, uh, do we have our this guy put on 20 pounds of muscle player yet, or this guy lost 50 pounds of fat? Like, who's the guy who transformed himself in the offseason? Best shape of his life guy? Yeah. Best shape of his life guy so far I'd have to give. It's a draw. Let, let me get my eyes on everybody, Rami. But okay. so far, just to give you some leaders in the clubhouse, and this is not just to... Uh, you know, engender your respect with this answer, but the two leaders in the clubhouse are Miguel Sano and Williams La Tortuga, La Tortuga. Astadio. Wow. Yeah, buddy. Does he have a little six pack or why is he in shape? <laughs> that's, that's a great great what's, question, Judd. What's gone wrong here? <laughs> I don't know, I don't know man. part of the deal. You know, I'm fascinated even to see, like, he's a fringe roster guy. Sorry, Rami. He's a fringe roster guy on this team. 26-man rosters, man. They, they are going to be deep adding Josh Donaldson. Takes away the need for having another infield. I'm, I'm just, I'm really curious to see how it breaks out. But give him this. From my eyes, best shape of his life so far this spring training. Amazing.
Especially, I had to butter up Rami with that one a little bit before I said something mean about. I'm going to be guy honest with you, you, Derek. I'm a little transparency here. I I kind of knew that was going to be the answer. I just wanted my guy yeah, to get. You a set love. me up. Yeah, yeah, I wanted my guy. A radio to get a pro. Love. Right Derek, before I came on, I saw a tweet of La Tortuga. Why do you lose weight? Looking fit and trim, man. I'm upset <laughs> about this. Derek. Which which twins rider is in the best shape of his or her life going into spring training? Man, that's a tough question to answer because uh, I think we're all headed in the same direction. <laughs> well, don't lump yourself in. I have uh, you're thin as a rail. I, I have had many a spring training in which uh, another pant size or two was warranted once the regular season rolled around. So, all right, Derek, you can find the Score North Twin Show every day that Derek is down in Fort Myers the next couple of weeks. And all kinds of great content on scorenorth.com. And, and by the way, Derek is uh, easy to find on Twitter. It's just at Derek Wetmore on uh, Twitter if you tweet and are active on social media. Derek, we'll talk to you on Thursday here, and you'll be on in the 1 o'clock hour of Score North Live tomorrow. So plenty plenty of Derek Wetmore around here. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to right. it. See Bye. All right, that's uh, Derek Wetmore. I mean, he's not like The Rock or anything. He's thinner. He's, he's still, yeah, he's still our buddy. He's still our little buddy. Who and the love, wind, I think the wind blowing his shirt against his body makes that photo a little bit less appealing than he should have wore black. Is what I'm saying. He's still going to be fun to watch. He starts. We, he starts 2020 in Rochester, right? No. What, what, yeah. What is there's with no all this? Spot for him. Yeah. He might even just get traded at some point. I'm kind of over it, honestly. It was fun. It was fun for a couple of years there. You're over La Tortuga? I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm good. What? I'm good. The slogan for 2020 is, the Minnesota Twins, we're no longer cute. <laughs> we want to be hated. That's going to be the slogan. You and you know trying what? to ruin baseball season for me. That's what you guys are doing. No, Rob Manfred's working on that, okay? <laughs> That's got nothing to do with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. That's got to do with Rob Manfred is going to work long and hard to ruin your baseball season. I'm on scorenorth.com right now, and I was also part of this article that our guy Jake DePew posted with off-season grades. Yeah. And I gave the Twins an A because, I mean, for the first time in franchise history, they spent $100 million on a free agent, and they uh, they bolstered their starting rotation, their bullpen. They come out of the off-season with the best lineup in baseball, maybe one of the best bullpens in baseball, and a formidable rotation, and they did all of this only giving up one of their top prospects, all of which are available as trade chips before July 31st. You give them a B, Judd. I did. You know why? What would, what would you have needed to see? To, a B? I gave him a B. Josh Donaldson? I gave him, here's why. I gave them a B, and it's a solid B. There's nothing wrong with Bs. But I gave them a B because they went into spring, or I'm sorry, they went into the offseason. On November 1st, their to-do list said Zach Wheeler, top-line pitcher, which they've acknowledged. They've admitted, okay? Yes. Now, I know it's not their fault that Madbum and Wheeler and that group of guys said, hey, we really appreciate it, but we're going elsewhere. But we know for a fact that what their primary to-do list said was not accomplished. Now, to their credit, they pivoted then and said, okay, we'll spend that on Josh Donaldson, and they went out and made moves. But I can't give you an A when you basically acknowledged that what was your primary plan didn't work. Because if their primary plan had worked... They'd be going to spring training with a rotation, I think, in their minds, that would have been Wheelers or Mad Bomb, followed by Barrios, followed by Odorizzi, and then you're talking about Maeda probably not being being here, and probably Homer Bailey the fourth. So I gave them a B based on the fact that they've acknowledged what their primary plan was didn't come to fruition, and they had to pivot. I actually think Donaldson is more impactful for this team than Zach Wheeler would have been. I mean, Zach Wheeler's good, but he's getting paid like an ace who's going to take a team into the playoffs as a number one starter, and he's not that type of a guy. In fact, Maeda's numbers 
with with your respect to the innings, the innings don't match up. But Maeda's numbers are actually pretty similar to Barrios, Zach Wheeler, in the last three years of Madison Bumgarner. So I think Josh Donaldson is the better player when compared to these pitchers, even though offense wasn't the bigger need. But it's about scoring runs and preventing runs, which is what Rami always says. Do we grade this on a curve, or are you just grading it straight up? Because if you're grading it on a curve... It's this, their best offseason ever. This, despite my disappointment in not getting Mookie Betts or trying to get Mookie Betts, and to me, getting fleeced in the trade for Kenta Maeda, especially in the second <laughs> version of it, despite that, you look around Major League Baseball, and especially teams that are trying to win and, and contend this season... And I have a hard time finding many teams that have done more to improve themselves this offseason than the Minnesota Twins did. Like, if we're, if we're grading it, like, I agree with Judd that you set an objective. You set a goal for the offseason, and ultimately, you didn't achieve that goal. They explicitly said, we're going to target impact pitching this offseason. That's almost a direct quote from Thad Levine. They didn't get it. They didn't get impact pitching. So if you're grading based on that, I see why Judd would give him the grade that you are. But if you're grading him on the curve of what the rest of Major League Baseball did or even just what the rest of the contenders around Major League Baseball did, find me somebody other than the Yankees who went and got Garrett Cole or maybe the Rangers who signed (laughs) Anthony Rendon who did more to improve their roster and improve their chances of winning than the Minnesota Twins did. Yeah, I just think once we get into... May, June, and we're watching this offense, and this offense is healthy, and Byron Buxton's the number 9 hitter. I don't think we're going to be sitting there in May and June thinking, man, it's great to have Josh Donaldson, but... I say the Rangers got Anthony Rondon, the Angels. Angels? The Angels. Are we really going to be sitting there in June thinking like, ah, it's really nice, this Josh Donaldson, the 15 home runs he has already, and all the fun dugout celebrations are great, but man, Zach Wheeler would really be... The guy that puts this team over the I'm top. I'm a tough teacher, man. These are East Coast <laughs> smart guys, and they, you know what? We just don't hand out A's here in this corner of the Apparently studio. Apparently not. The TCL Broadcast Studio, my corner, very, very hard to get an A. Apparently. At The Athletic, so. they ranked the offseason of every single Major League Baseball team, and they had different categories for different groupings in terms of how much you did. Um, this is a poker term, I'm assuming, Tim. They put the Twins in the not-all-in-but-pot-committed Oh yeah, group of baseball teams. <laughs> I mean, they're not. I would say, okay, pot committed means you've already put so many chips. You start you you start the hand with a million <clears throat> chips, and you've already got eight hundred thousand in the pot. So you might as well just put the rest in at that point, right? I wouldn't say they're at that point. They still have all all of their prospects except for Bruce Dargraderall. Like they they have built. And and we can dive into some of these projections later on this week as part of our ten days of twin stock, but baseball prospectus has them a ninety three win team right now without trading Larnick or Kirilov or uh is it uh Balazovich or however you pronounce the other top pitching prospect's name. Mm-hmm. I think if you were to have nothing left in the cupboards, okay, then n- now you're really all in and there's there's just no reason to turn back. But you could like you have moves to make still. You've got you've, you're sitting in a pretty good position of strength right now if you're the Twins. And in that same ranking at the Athletic of everybody's offseason, only two teams they say had a better offseason than the Twins, and that's the Dodgers because they got Mookie Betts. That's crazy. Mookie Betts makes you better than Kent Maeda would, and the Yankees who got Garrett Cole. And they call those both. They are both in the fully operational Death Star category. <laughs> Of off-seasons right. in Major good. League Baseball. By the way, I think it's Balazovic. Balazovic. You know okay. what, though? 
don't sleep on what the White Sox did too. I'm not saying they're, they're going to be great, but the White Sox yeah. made some su- substantial improvements. I mean, the Cubs in Chicago, they sat still and did nothing, and I don't know why exactly. Rami, perhaps you could explain that Luxury to the listeners. Uh, but the White Sox made some pretty good... The White Sox should be competitive. Yeah. But I look, still expect the Twins to win, but the White Sox should be very competitive. And baseball perspectives, for what it's worth, has the White Sox as an above 500, slightly, an 83-win team in 2020. wouldn't be surprised if they're better than that. The only reason I know it's Belozovic is because Dustin Morris has been tweeting out videos of players with hard-to-pronounce names pronouncing their own names. <laughs> well, what, what's that new picture? How, Jolice Chassin. I was right Chassin. about it this whole, t- this whole time. I was arguing with people in Milwaukee his entire time there. People thought it was Jolice. People thought it was Jolice. It's Jolice. It's a soft J. Jolice Chassin. A, so, a soft J? With, soft J. Not a silent J. No. Soft J. So you just sort of Jolice. Jolice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So J- Julius would be a hard J. Yes. J- Jolie's. Okay. Be a good Dolly Chassis. Parton song. Okay. I think I've heard it before. Jolie's. 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 Jolie. Just leave my staff alone. <laughs> <laughs> to be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.